Welcome to Broad Ideas. I feel a little annoyed because <laughs> Rob made us start over. We had gold, people. We, and yep, and he cut it out because he was being his true self. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, today, Becca Tobin, she's an actress, singer, dancer, and host who starred in the iconic role of Kitty Wilde on Glee. Um, she also has a very successful podcast, Lady Gang, which I was on. They're awesome. We love to listen and we love to have her on. I actually feel really weird sitting in this seat. I know. Olivia is not next to me. Rob's next to me. For some reason, Rob felt the need to switch position. I don't today. like having eye contact from both of you throughout. <laughs> he wanted eye contact with just me. Yep. So, it's Olivia. One last person. But it feels weird. You know when you're always in the same seat and then yeah, you switch? Yeah, it feels weird. It feels, it feels weird. weird talking to you across from me and not next to me. Yeah. Okay, well, it didn't feel weird talking to Becca. She was so open and lovely. Yeah, and has a lot of inspiration and wisdom and experience to share. So now let us share it with you all. Welcome, Becca Tobin. Sometimes when the about dogs and kids and things we'll talk about chicks and tampon strings we'll talk about boys that make you cry we'll talk about death because people die rolling rolling with, the, with homies. the homies do you guys ever pour out um do you guys 40? ever pour, no do you ever pour <laughs> anything out and not say for the homies I, I've never done it. Now I may. So, oh, I've never poured anything out. Like if I'm like pouring my coffee out of the car, like to get a new one or whatever, mm -hmm. there's never a time I pour something out and I don't go for the homies. Wow. Where are you pouring your coffee out? Like just on the side of the road? Just like. Yeah. Like if I cups? have my coffee mug, like when I'm driving to Starbucks in the morning mm -hmm. and then yeah. I get another one and I want to throw the old cold coffee out. I'll just like throw it out the door. Oh, so you're one of those I pour people. It. You're very eco-friendly. You're you are what I'm striving to be, but it's really hard. How is that eco-friendly? Because you're you're reusing, reusing it, right? No, she's oh you're oh, reusing no. no. That's what I'm oh, saying. No. Like, I, Becca, I'm like no, no, no. I think you have this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not reusing. Okay, but I'm just getting rid of the cold coffee. To bring it, it in and Go. not spill it on my shirt while I'm bringing it in. I actually suck and still get straws. Me too. Yeah. It's well, okay. Although LaCroix just sent me a gifting situation. <gasps> and oh, what's is that? It, what is you? It's like a glass jar with a like wooden thing and a glass straw. Oh. Yeah. I'm, I'm committed to like the glass straws at home, but I'm not going to be traveling with straws and I still want to use them. When I'm other places. I mean, in a glass straw, like what? Yeah. Well, dangerous. it reminds me a little bit of meth or crack no. a little bit, right? It's true. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I like that's exactly, that's the first place you're Reminds goes, me of Olivia. my youth. <laughs> I love it. So Becca, Olivia and I have been best friends for whatever, 25 plus years. We grew up together. Um, mm -hmm. That's where she comes from. <laughs> Just nice so you get the you. basics. Um, love it's it. so nice to see you again. You too. Talk we loved to you. you on our podcast. You were one of the fan favorites. Oh my God. Yes. I love hearing that. Yeah. That's awesome. And your podcast is so awesome. And I love everything 
Thank you. You guys are doing. And obviously it speaks to us greatly because we like to be very candid and talk about all the things. <laughs> yeah. Love it. I actually just listened to your Eliza Schles- I can Oh, you did? Schlesinger. I love her. And it was it was great. So Oh, thanks. Yeah. She was she was awesome and so funny and open and Yeah. She's a gem. Her. Yeah. <laughs> well thanks for listening. Yeah, of course. We were so excited to have you here with us and to talk to you um, about all the things and, yeah. you know, about reusable coffee cups and, <laughs> and whatnot. I have to tell you guys, so my daughter, every morning, we wind up having breakfast in the car on the way to school because mornings are so rushed and insane. And it's hard when it's cereal. So like she had cereal yesterday and hands me a bowl of milk. And now I'm driving around holding a bowl of milk because like it's going to spill in the car. So oh, I had wow. to do the thing where I had to empty out the milk so I could put the bowl on the floor. So I And you didn't save for the homies. I did not save for the homies. <laughs> and we could have used that. The homies could have used that. The homies could have used the Rice Krispie milk. I agree. I yeah. just can't picture how old is she? She's almost eight. I can't imagine a young child eating cereal. Like I can't eat cereal at a kitchen table <laughs> right. not in motion without <laughs> spilling. So I'm really impressed. She's pretty responsible. She's a responsible kid, you know, and we have to drive down a hill to get to school. So it's always really risky, whatever yeah. she has in the morning, what her breakfast <laughs> is. And I'm always like, hey, hold on tight. And it's like a game, a balancing game. And Yeah. Yeah. She's gotten used what to it. What time does she wake up? Because that's crazy. Because she doesn't go to school till late. Yeah. Her school doesn't start till nine, but my kid won't wake up till like eight. That's so great. It is great, but it's also hard on school mornings. How uh. old is your... He's only eight months old. So I was going to say, yeah, I thought he was a baby and you weren't anywhere near this yet. (laughs) No. But But I can tell it's going to be here in like two seconds because it's already flown the first eight months. I'm like, what is happening? And everybody tells you all the things. They're like, it goes by so fast. Let them sleep on you. It's not going to happen forever. And meanwhile, he's like six weeks old. And I'm like, I wish this baby would sleep in his crib. And now I regret feeling that way. So... I should have uh, listened, but you know, this is just motherhood, I guess, in the, in a nutshell. I know. Wait, what do is. you mean you regret feeling that way? Well, because he would sleep on me. I am somebody who needs to be in motion all the time. Like mm. I need to be productive. I just don't know how to not like I have a, a zero to a hundred. My zero is like vegging out, watching the real housewives for like eight hours a, a day. This was before having a child. Right. <laughs> but then I don't have any like in between. So when he was really teeny tiny and he would be sleeping on me, I would just be thinking of the eight million things I needed to do around the house because I oh, can't wow. handle not doing something around the house or like having something like laundry that hasn't been folded and it's just my own shit. And there's like not enough therapy in the world to really get this, shake this out of me. So I don't know. It sucks. I really am envious of the women who can soak it in and just be like, were you able to do that with your kid? Yeah. I, well, I guess I'll, I'll go first. So with yeah. mine, cause she has two, but, um, I was able, you know, I had just, I was pregnant with my daughter at the end of a series I was doing heart of Dixie. And I worked up until 37 weeks. So I was like super pregnant on the show and it timed out where the show ended and wasn't coming back right when I had her. So Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I just worked my ass off for four years. I was able to just do that, right? So I didn't feel like there were all these other things. So I loved that. But, you know, I can totally see where you're coming from because 
there's always so many things to do when they're like, you nap when they're napping. It's like, no, fuck that. You cannot nap when they're napping. No. There's so many things to get done. So in that respect, like I never, I never could do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. I always napped. Well, you still nap. Give me a reason to nap. <laughs> just like, Ugh. please. But she's one of those people that can just fall asleep no matter what. I don't understand it. I want to be you. That's yeah, all. I can sleep anywhere, anytime. Like, I will schedule my meetings and my calls sometimes around my kid's nap so that I can lay with him and nap. Wow. And you can just, head hits the pillow and you're out. Sleep. Isn't that impressive? Oh, that's impressive. What is that? That's like a superpower. I think it's narcolepsy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want it. You know what it is? I think that sometimes it's my escape. You yeah. know, like mm. I look at naps as like a gift, a treat. It's like the thing <laughs> I look forward to. I'm like, oh, go get in that bed with him and take a nap. And my son, my little one will be four in February and I still sleep with him. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I need but to try. I get it. Everyone else, I feel like I'm the rare person who would actually nap when they nap. And everyone else is like, do, 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 do. Yep. Yep. No. And I have to tell you, my kid who is almost eight is still in bed with me. So I think the way you did it <laughs> was probably really smart because <laughs> you have like your freedom and your independence yeah. and your relationship that you can focus on. I still have my daughter in bed, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Broad Ideas is supported by Caraway. It's time to ditch the chemicals with Caraway Homes' non-toxic cookware and bakeware collections so you can make healthier cooking a piece of cake. Caraway Homes' non-toxic kitchenwares are all designed for the modern home and feature a chemical-free ceramic coating so food can be prepared with peace of mind that no hard-to-pronounce compound will leach into your healthy ingredients. I love Caraway so much. I have been cooking with it for at least a year. And I love knowing that I'm not putting any harsh chemicals into the food I'm making for my daughter. This only happens once a year, okay? Caraway's Cyber Season event is almost here. Save up to 20% on all Caraway products, including their internet-famous non-toxic cookware set. For the first time ever, you can now save on Caraway's food storage, tea kettle, and mini cookware. I just got the mini. It's awesome. This exclusive deal won't last long. Make sure to shop your favorite colors and products while you still can. Visit CarawayHome.com to take advantage of their cyber season event and score up to 20% off your next purchase of non-toxic kitchenware. This deal won't last long, so visit CarawayHome.com to shop all their incredible products for up to 20% off this holiday season. Caraway. That's the thing. I just think that, first of all, there's really, truly no good way or right way to do it. And I... I do get sad when I think about how my husband and I just made this commitment to just not be the kid in the bed people. But every single cell in my body wants him to be in our bed. So I just yeah. don't... And I'm like, I know that once I give in... And this might be wrong. Parenting experts might tell me I'm wrong. But I'm like, I, I feel like once you rip the Band-Aid off, then it's hard to go back. So we're just sort of committed to this. And he's a great sleeper. And I think that when I... When we decided to have a baby, I was like, I just need... I, he can be anything he wants to be. Just I really need him to sleep through the night because I can't function without it. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm just trying to like focus on that 
every time I want to just pull him out of his crib and put him in the bed with me. Like, it's right. just the sweetest having a kid in the bed oh, with you. It's the best. I, I don't love it. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> I like napping with him. But at night, like, we don't have him in our bed. I'll mm-hmm. go put him back to sleep in his bed. Because I don't want anything on me, like, while yeah. I'm sleeping. And they flip and turn and kick. and. Yeah. But for a long time, you did have them in your bed. We had both of them in our bed at one point, but we got them both back into their room. We sleep trained my first Mm -hmm. and not my second. And it was a huge mistake. Like if I could go back, I would have sleep trained both of them. Really? Because you have more freedom. Yeah. Like you're going to be able to let other people put your baby down and, Mm -hmm. you know, it it just comes with so much more freedom. And if I could do it again, I would have slept trained. Good to know slept trained I you know I will say like I'm like oh it's the best that she's in bed with me whatever she's like eight now and very long and huge and she refuses to sleep normally vertically like last night I had both of her legs draped across my chest right kicking me and I have it's a king-size bed I have like three inches of mattress to myself because she has to be like glued to me, you know, and she's moving around and I get whipped in the face and all of that. And I was so mad last night. Like I kept throwing her legs off me, like not caring if I wake her up. I was like, oh my God. Like I was so annoyed. You hit so your breaking point. Oh my God. I hit my breaking point. I was just like, oh dear God, just, you know, and it's just us. So, you know, single mom. So I'm like, yeah. and I'm sure people be like, oh my God, your daughter's still in bed with you. But like, it's just, I do sleep better when she's there. And she sleeps later when she's yeah. with me. Otherwise, she's coming into my room at like 5.30 or 6 in the morning. So there's, yeah, you know, no there's thanks. benefits. Because she has done her own room. There's been spurts. But, you know. But yeah, what you're saying is like once you do that and you're like, no, I'll just bring them in. You're fucked. Like that's just. When she goes to bed at night, do you go, you lay down with her until she falls asleep. And then you go, you can get out and like do your own thing. Or do you stay in there? Yeah, but normally I just stay in there. Because like I'm so tired and I'm just like on my phone and you scroll and you read and you do whatever. And, you know, it's not, I should get up and like watch a show or like do something for myself. But it doesn't happen. I'm exhausted. Yeah. (laughs) You're doing what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah, I've been falling asleep and putting them down and then getting back out and forcing myself to watch a show. Really? Yeah, because I feel like if I don't, there's no time for me. And I think it's really important to have a break from everything. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. like watching shows is one of my ways to like escape. Yeah. Are you guys on tour right now? So we were on our book tour and like live podcast tour for three weeks on a tour bus. And that was hellish and amazing all in one. We finished that and then we have like the West Coast, but we're not going to be on a tour bus for that portion of it. But I stupidly scheduled this tour thinking that I was going to be so cool I'm like a cool mom. I can get back to work. I can be away from my kid. He has a dad, you know, like he's got a nanny. He's got a wonderful family. I don't need to be there. Well, like it was so dumb because it doesn't matter that he has all these people taking care of him. I didn't get to be around him. And I was just really resentful. I had to work on it the whole time that I was out there being really aware of not having resentment for making this choice. And I have two other partners that don't have children and they were so wonderful and understanding but at the same time 
you just don't get it until you have children. Mm-mm. And I was that person for, you know, 36 years of my life where I didn't get it either. It was really tough. And it's also because I didn't really bond and feel like a mom until he was probably five or six months old, truly. Mm-hmm. And I left oh, at like wow. the six-month mark. Mm-hmm. Um, That's tough. It's hard. And I was traveling so much right after he was born. You know, we used a surrogate and I obviously didn't breast... Not obviously, I could have breastfed, but I didn't breastfeed. So I don't know if there's a combination of just that is why it took me a little bit longer to bond. But then I've talked to women who've carried their children and have said the same thing Mm -hmm. that like, until they're reacting to you, you kind of don't feel that thing, the like maternal instinct. So I I traveled a ton after he was born, not a ton, but like enough because I just had to keep working mm-hmm. to pay for our surrogate. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> shit is not cheap. No. Nope. And um, and it was easier. It was so much easier when he was teeny tiny. And it's just gotten harder, like the older that he's gotten. And the first time I left him to go out on tour was like the first day that he started to reach for people, like oh. he was being held by somebody. And I was rolling my suitcase out the front door and he reaches for me and I just start like sobbing. And I was like, oh my God, this, it happened. Like I'm finally a mom, but this is also, it's like the best feeling and the worst feeling all at once. Oh, that's exactly right. Yeah. It's like the absolute worst and the absolute best. Cause you're screwed now, wherever you go, there's like a part of you missing. Yeah. Yep. So What was that like? I think it's such a beautiful topic to bring up because we have a a few friends right now trying to get pregnant and Mm -hmm. all different things that they're looking at, um, whether it's egg donors or a surrogate or sperm donors or, you know, um, just fertility issues. Yeah. And what that experience, are you open to talking about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like... um, huge like silver lining of experiencing so much fertility issues is that I'm able to share it on a platform of mostly women Mm -hmm. um, because I just didn't really hear about it a lot when I was struggling. And it started, you know, five or six years ago. And I guess you hear about people doing IVF and you hear about there's all these options, but you don't really hear about the process and what it entails. And so I'm really open. I just sort of got up to a point where my husband and I, five years in, we were like, okay, we started this a little bit later, wanting a child in general. And I just hit, I hit the wall. Like I, I just, I was at my breaking point and I was like, I'm either going to do it this way that's unconventional and people are going to probably judge or I'm just not going to do it at all. And I just don't feel like I should I should take that opportunity away from my husband and I just because I'm worried about a stigma. Mm -hmm. So we did it. I have zero regrets at all. If anything, I couldn't speak more highly of the experience that we had. You know, it's it's just incredible that there are people out there who who enjoy being pregnant, who want a way to provide for their family, get a secondary income, um, take care of their own you know, biological children. And our surrogate was a single mother with two children who also took care of two other children who were her sisters. She works, but obviously any extra income is helpful in that situation. And she loved being pregnant and wanted this opportunity to to do this. And we were just so grateful the entire way through of this like walking earth angel who wanted Mm -hmm. to give us this opportunity. And I'm like, you know, this is, 
this is a modern story. I waited really late to have a kid and our bodies are just not the same. It's unfortunate, but this is the reality of science and um, nature. And um, I don't know. I'm just, I I loved it. It was expensive. There's like no secret mm-hmm. there. IVF was expensive. The surrogacy situation was expensive, but I don't really regret it for for a second. I'm like, we work really hard and if I'm going to spend my money, it's like to make my family the way that I want to make it. Yeah. I think it's beautiful that that's even an option. Yeah. Right. Right. I, but what I'm so curious about the surrogate process because it's so amazing to me that like what a gift, right? And to be able to do that. But what's that process like? Like, do you interview people? Do you, Is it an agency? You know, just for like maybe people who don't know anything about it. Yeah. Um, so I was really fortunate that somebody from my like past Broadway performing days. Mm -hmm. Um, I stayed in touch with this guy named Taylor and his second career has actually been in uh, sperm donor, egg donor, and surrogacy. Their agency does all of that. It's called Elevate. And he and I connected when I was struggling so much with my fertility journey. And he asked me, would you be open to trying a surrogate? And at this point, I was up in Vancouver during COVID, the border was closed. I was working on a series for like seven months. And I just, I had done IVF. I had frozen embryos and I was literally like separated from the embryos. Like they were in San Diego and I'm in (laughs) Vancouver. And I'm like, at this point, what the fuck is my life anyway? I'm so sick of this whole thing. I'm ready to throw in the towel. But we had this amazing conversation and my goddaughter is actually born via surrogate. So I was Mm -hmm. really familiar. And so I was fortunate to have had that experience. But he said to me, I'm going to send you some profiles of some women who have applied and who have been cleared to be surrogates because it's a really intense, rigorous process. He was saying for every 100 women who apply, sometimes one will pass through the whole thing. So it's like sometimes they'll get nobody out of that hole. You know, they do a psychological exam. They have to have like perfect... Uh, pregnancies, near-perfect deliveries, like really no complications. They have to have biological children of their own. Um, Mm -hmm. So he sent me a profile of a woman who strangely was an hour away from us, who lived an hour away. Because a lot of the time you can't get surrogates in the same state. It's like really challenging to find them in general. So we read this profile. I felt really kind of connected. And we Zoomed because I was away with my husband and with her and her partner. And we just sort of felt like we were aligned in the way that we wanted this to work. And the rest was kind of history. But yeah, you have an agency that sort of does the the legal stuff for you and they do the psych evaluation. So they're making sure that it's not just, you're not walking up to somebody at like the supermarket being like, you look like you'd be a great <laughs> pregnant person. You want to carry my baby? Uh-huh. Um So you feel really protected. And, you know, more people are doing it. Obviously, same-sex couples have been doing it for Mm -hmm. longer. And But I'm finding that there are a lot of heterosexual couples that are doing this because, again, women, we're not all perfect baby-making specimens. No. Do you think, because I feel like this whole fertility conversation, I feel like it's so much more out there now. And I'm wondering, like, is it just because women are more open about it? Or is it because of the world and science where it's it's more of a common struggle? I think it's a combination of our generation, like the millennials have just started having children later. And so right. it's just a fact that mm-hmm. your egg quality and quantity and all that fun stuff kind of starts to decline. 
we've all been really generalizing this whole situation. We've all been really career-based and Mm career-driven, and it's been wonderful for that. But then I also think there's people being more open about it. I think that it's becoming a little bit more, I'm trying to think of the word, accessible. You know, IVF used to be probably, I don't know what the number is, but it used to be less affordable. If you can imagine, it's still so expensive. But it's just, there's more fertility clinics popping up. There's more women willing to talk about it. I just think it's a kind of a combination of all of those things. Because if you look back, you know, there are a lot of celebrities who have used surrogates. Mm -hmm. They just haven't shouted it from the rooftops. Probably for the same reason that I was really scared to open up about it. Because people will be like, oh you know, Kim Kardashian, you just didn't want to carry your own baby when in fact Kim Kardashian had like a life-threatening situation with her pregnancy. So judgmental, right? It's so judgmental. And I'm like, what is the harm in doing it this way? If Mm -mm. both parties are more than willing and really desiring this partnership, it's not Mm -hmm. like the, the intended parents are begging some woman to carry their baby. It's like a I want this and you want this and it's going to work out. And yes, it's like a business transaction, but you know, it's, it's also, I don't know. I, it's silly and it like drives me insane. I can't help but think that if men were the ones who carried babies and used surrogates, it wouldn't just be like, you could get a surrogate at Kmart down the street. Right. So when you said that originally, I flagged it when you said that you at first weren't you know, wanting to shout it from the rooftops because of the stigma. Mm -hmm. Have you experienced that since sharing it? Definitely. Really? A ton. Um, Yeah, people are pretty... What is wrong with people? What the fuck, dude? Yeah. So, especially for someone like you who's like being honest and vulnerable and like really bringing attention to it and making other women feel seen and heard and understood that they're going to shame you for that? What have they, what is it? So I've gotten a lot of people um, who have shamed me about not going through adoption. I've gotten a lot of people who, you know, I posted a picture of my son having a bottle because he's formula fed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, listen, I could have tried to lactate, that is something that you can do. that's a whole other journey. It was not my choice to do that. And I still got this woman who, you know, I posted about bottle feeding him with formula because I'm also very passionate about letting people know what's out there and what's great products that I really genuinely love because it's so overwhelming. Like, it's Mm. just so fucking crazy, the baby world. And this woman made a comment about how I first, I bought my baby. (gasps) And now I'm poisoning him and I've taken away an opportunity for him to have been breastfed. The only way a baby should be fed. I've gotten comments about how terrible I am that there are babies out there who need homes and who aren't being loved. And instead, I did a science experiment because I'm narcissistic and wanted to create my own. I have had some really nasty things said to me, but... It's not the first time. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you don't... As soon as you become a public figure, which for me was was starting on in 2012 when I was on Glee and I was right. like thrust into this crazy, weird hit show. And mm-hmm. it started at that point. Like the skin just started to get thicker and thicker mm-hmm. and thicker. And it never bothered me until it was about my child. Like right. truly, I could have heard anything about myself and I have. But that was like, oof, that was tough. Oh, yeah. That makes mama bear come out. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. It's it's just like there's certain things, right? Like yeah, I've obviously experienced a lot of that kind of stuff. And Olivia and I have been talking about this recently as well because she's never been like on a platform where people can comment on her personally or, mm-hmm. you know, the attacks that come, the trolls and all of that. And I, like you said, your your skin gets thicker and thicker the more exposure you have to it. But there's certain things. Like there's certain don't things. fuck with my kid, my personal yeah. life, you know, yeah. partners, whatever. And it's just people have no, it's like common decency, you know? And it's like yeah, really hurtful things. Like what they were saying to you is so beyond judgmental and fucked up. And it's so fucked up. Like being, I'm like, you can tell me my face is ugly all day long. I don't care. It's just, but when you tell me that I'm, I've, my making my child was like out of a handmaid's tale. That was another <sighs> really good one. People were like, this is like handmaid's tale. I'm like, well, it's not really. But like, what about the emotional journey you've been on? And I'm sure you guys tried to get pregnant naturally yeah. for a long time, right? Were you ever we did. pregnant? Yes, I was yeah. pregnant several times. Mm-hmm. Um, the furthest I got into a pregnancy was 13 or 14 weeks. Wow. That's late. Yeah. One of the pregnancies, I actually talked about it in the book that we just wrote for Lady Gang. It's kind of like a culmination of like ladies' deepest, darkest secrets. Some mm-hmm. of them are like It's called hilarious. Lady Secrets, right? Yes, Lady yeah. Secrets. Yeah, we, we can't wait to read it. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> crazy. Some of them are like silly and hilarious and some of them are, you know, heartbreaking. And I just sort of decided to write about one of my recent miscarriages. I was nine weeks and I went in to go see the heartbeat. And up until that point, I had had the worst depression I've ever had in my whole life. Like I've never actually felt this in in my entire life. Like past any kind of grief I've dealt with, it was mm-hmm. just so dark. And the whole time I was pregnant, I was like, oh my God, I have been trying so hard to get to the finish line. And I'm again, I'm like on the ride and I can, I, like, I can see the end. I'm like, we're at a successful point in the journey. I'm supposed to be ecstatic. And I was the complete opposite. Mm. I was certainly not suicidal, but I was, I would sit there in my bed and I'd be like, I would not care if mm-hmm. something happened to me right now. Mm-hmm. I felt like I couldn't, there was nothing I wanted to live for. There was the darkest, most awful feeling I've ever had in my life. This is so uplifting. I'm so sorry. No, <laughs> no, this we, is, we, to me, like, this is the most comforting thing. Okay. <laughs> Truly. I'm like, Absolutely. this is just, you're like, we we get it. Everybody listening is like, we get it. It was fucking terrible. But I don't know. I just feel this need to go into it because my biggest pet peeve is when people sort of share, but they don't really share. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I was depressed. And I'm like, well, what? That can mean a lot of things. That mm-hmm. can mean whatever. So there's a spectrum of things. I just think it's important to to just open up the fucking floodgates and just explain exactly what my experience was. So anyways, we go see the heartbeat and I'm with my husband and my OBGYN is like, I'm so sorry, there's no heartbeat. And I start sobbing and my husband's crying and I'm like, oh, I'm crying because I have to do this again. Yeah. I'm not crying because there's no heartbeat. Like I am fucking devastated that I just got through nine weeks and that's (sighs) going to have counted for nothing. Like that is fucked up and dark, but that was just exactly how I felt. And so I had been through that so many times. And I just was like, this is, this is not, there are other options. 
Right. Women don't need medals. You don't need a gold medal. You don't have to suffer. You can not be a martyr and become a mother. Yeah. And um, well, how so many I'm pregnancy? Just, what number of pregnancy was that for you? Um, four. Wow. I, I had. Yeah, the one that went into the second trimester was really like a total mind fuck. I think that that was oh. the point at which I was like, oh, this is never going to be fun or happy or whatever. And I know people have gone through so much worse. That's the other thing is that it's all relative. And I know that there are people out there who would have kept trying to do it the old fashioned way and who would have kept, you know, you know, because they want to. Yeah. But each miscarriage represents a trauma or, you know, it's a, it's not an easy thing to go through. I've had miscarriages and Mm -hmm. I can be open about that because I think there shouldn't be a stigma against it. And I think it should be something talked about. And it is not an easy thing to go through. You know, I had two prior to having my daughter and, you know, it's so hard to be pregnant as it is. Like, look, it can be great and there's a lot of positive things around it. But if you've experienced miscarriages, there's such a fear that you have to work through that comes with each pregnancy because you're like, okay, I've made this mark. Okay. What does this mean? oh my God, are my boobs still hurt? Like you're constantly like squeezing mm-hmm. and abusing your boobs to make yeah. sure they're still sore. Like, yes. and people are watching you as you grope yourself constantly. But so it's, you know, it's all a part of it. And it's it's a personal experience. And it's so hard when people think they can have a say or judge or ha- comment on anything like that that you're going through so personally. And for you to have been pregnant that many times and get to that point and get to the second trimester, like, oh yeah. my goodness, Becca, I am so, like that is that is not an easy thing to go through. And I just, I commend you for recognizing, you know, and acknowledging being willing to look at other options because knowing what you, you wanted and having been through all of that, that is so much to go through. And I really commend you for being so open and talking about it so openly. Thank you. Yeah. It's, and and I think you find that so many women are, whatever it is, there's so few stories where it was, all good all the way through mm-hmm. where you're like oh it was the what you see in the movies it was this it was that you know i actually was talking to a girl this past week i was at a wedding and um she stopped me and she and i kind of knew each other were acquaintances and she was like i just want to talk to you about the surrogacy thing because i i'm really interested but i'm really insecure for the reason that i want to do it and i was like well first of all it's nobody's business what the reason is um the option is there and legal and you know, for anybody to make. And you don't have to show a certificate from your doctor saying you can't carry a baby in order to, you know, go have a surrogate. So she opened up to me a lot about the fact that she got married to her husband and neither one of them wanted children. And he has changed his mind since being married like five or six years into the marriage. And she is still very reluctant, but she doesn't want to lose her husband. And she's like, Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to lose me. So he will go the rest of our lives without having a child. But I think I want to do this. I'm opening up myself to it more and more. And she said, but quite frankly, I'm really terrified. I'm A, the breadwinner of the family. So I am scared to be pregnant. And what if it's not great? And B, I've struggled my entire life with an eating disorder. Mm. And I have humongous trauma surrounding my body. And I'm finally in a healthy place. And I'm so terrified of what that experience of being pregnant is is going to do to me. 
And I'm like, first of all, that's five more reasons than you need. For right. like, there's you could have zero reasons. Um, but it's so crazy. She's like, all of my girlfriends, when I ask them what their opinion is, they all tell me that I'm being superficial and and um, shallow and vain and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, as women, I'm so fucking sick of, of us. And I've been guilty of it myself. I'm not just being like, whatever your choice is, it's a, if it's affecting no one other than you and your family, then do whatever the fuck you want to do. Right. Like, I support that choice. So if your choice is to not put yourself through the trauma, to not take that that risk for yourself, and that's the way you want to become a mother, then great, go for it. I don't even comprehend what's wrong. Like, is it <laughs> is it religious people that seem to have a problem? Is it because no rational human can actually tell someone what's right for them? There's no right or wrong way. Even with when you bring up the bottle, like it brings up so much anger in me because like we had to bottle feed my second. Mm -hmm. Took him six weeks to latch and we had to give him formula. And I remember feeling like, I don't want to post this picture of me bottle feeding him. And then I was like, whoa, what is yeah. that? Like the truth of the matter is this bottle is keeping him fucking alive, mm -hmm. period. My body wasn't producing enough milk to keep him alive and he wasn't latching. So I had to pump and do all this stuff. And it's like, I was worried about someone judging that when the truth of the matter is, it's a miracle mm -hmm. that we have formula. It's a miracle that we have bottles that can keep our precious babies alive that wouldn't be in the past. Oh yeah, for sure. And, you know, even if someone has an issue with their body, it's like, they're a miracle for facing that, for mm -hmm. healing that, and for them to know that the safest thing to do would be to protect the mom. Yep. Right. Right? Yeah. Because how are we supposed to mother our children if we're not safe? And it sounds to me like that person has enough consciousness to know that's not safe for me. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. shows a sign of a good mom. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's never been, that's actually like that, concept of like feeling safe is something I've never really thought of, but it's absolutely what it is. It's like the way that you want to, the choices are all keeping you safe. And the moment that you don't consider your own safety and your own comfort, it's like nobody needs, needs you to be a martyr like that. Nobody. And I think that's what it is with the judgment is, mm -hmm. well, first of all, there's a lot of religious people who have told me that IVF is terrible and God gives you what you can handle which, you know, I'm like, I guess God gave me a bunch of shitty eggs. So I guess God I should have just... God gave you a surrogate. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'm like, how far should we take this? Because we could really like, <laughs> yeah. kick this on down the fucking hallway. But no, it's, it's a lot of people said that, you know, God gives you what you can handle. And, um, and I also think that women have, maybe women who had, didn't have the opportunity. And also it's expensive. It's not Right. Something that the average woman can afford. That is the reality of it. So maybe there is some judgment connected to it because there may be not jealousy or envy because that's something that another woman would necessarily want if she could afford it, but it's triggering for people who couldn't afford it. And I get that. I totally, I completely understand. But I don't think that it warrants you making nasty comments on somebody's Instagram. I don't think it warrants 
even the judgment in general, but... No, and especially if, like, the person, maybe if they're a mother as well or whatever, but, like, you're still a mom, and that shit is hard. And you're tired, and you're taking care of this little human. Like, that in itself, it's like, don't attack me. I'm, I'm raising this little human. I'm keeping this person alive, and I'm trying to take care of myself and my family, you know? And it's... It is the hardest job in the world being yeah. any kind of parent caregiver, you know, because it, it it's 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 so it's the most important job as far as I'm concerned. And and yeah. and it's just so frustrating and like hearing that anyone has these comments when you're just out there taking care of this human, you know, yeah. surviving, taking care of yourself, like doing all the things. And it, especially if they haven't ever been a parent or anything right. like that. It's just like, you can, it's just, it's hard to, because, you know, I'm always reactionary and I work on that because like you Me constantly want to react to things and get so mad and, and comment back and like talk shit back to all the people commenting on Instagram and be like, well, you don't know or like whatever. And it takes such... I don't know what the word is, but I've I've practiced at trying not to react and like calm yourself before doing any kind of reaction or respond rather than react. Right. Respond rather than <laughs> react. So you take time and Olivia helps with me with this a lot. Um <laughs> but it's it's really not easy. And the whole thing isn't easy. And even talking about all of the paths you've had to take, it's just like it's just very frustrating. I also think though, too. That yes, it's expensive. It it is something that you know right. you have to have a certain amount of money to do. But I feel like the awareness it takes the people that have the money to do it to be open about it, honest about it, and upfront about it to spread awareness. Because if they didn't and they kept that a secret, then the women who possibly can't afford it aren't even going to know that that's something that they want, right? Right. And it usually, the pendulum always swings. And it used to be that things were so out of reach in so many different areas, but the more attention they get, the more people figure out, oh, well, maybe there needs to be a foundation for women's, you know, fertility for low income or maybe, but without the attention to it first... It's not going to happen. Yeah. No, that's a great point. You know, a friend of mine just had breast cancer and she had to freeze embryos before she went through chemo because that mm. essentially, I don't know exactly, it, could, it, it destroys your, you know, your um, reproductive system sometimes. And then she's not able to carry due to the breast cancer and she just started a foundation um, for women who can't carry that have been survivors of breast cancer to find surrogates. Wow. So you're right. And actually, thank you for saying that because sometimes it's sort of hard to like not feel like, you know, some entitled um, person in mm-hmm. Hollywood. So out of touch that like on my soapbox and people are really struggling financially. And so I, it's all I want to do. I really just, I would love it if every person who wanted to be a parent had every option available to them. And it would be even better if there were ways in which they could afford the ones that were more expensive. And that's the other thing too with adoption is that I've had a lot of friends go through adoption and it is not an inexpensive um, venture. And there's a lot of heartbreak involved and a lot of failed um, Mm -hmm. journeys, if you will. So even that is something that I felt 
that was the one of the reactive things that I wanted to do on Instagram when people were commenting like, you should be adopting. You know, I wanted to tell like the stories of the women that I know who've gone through some pretty terrible times with that. And But it's like, again, it's so... It, I have worked on that a lot to really have restraint and just allow people to feel the way they feel. It doesn't affect me and just sort of move on and hope at one point in their lives they they are enlightened. But mm-hmm. I most of the time yeah. they probably won't be. But that's right. Okay. Do you do you want to do it again? Do you want more kids? I well, I do want more kids. We always said we wanted to, mm-hmm. um, but I'm in this place right now where I'm really loving being with my son and he obviously is only eight months old, but I could absolutely see myself just having him. Like I just, there's something really special about only children. I have a lot of friends in my life who are only children and their relationship with their parents is so beautiful. And this is of course generalizing, but every single only child in my life that I know has a closer relationship with their parents um, it's just, I don't know. They get a bad rap, but I want that with my kid. Like, it'd be so great if my son wants to, like, go on vacation with me as an adult. Because <laughs> I'm not doing that with my parents, but my only children friends are doing that with theirs. So, <laughs> you know, there's, I think there's, like, no wrong or right way. I would be surprised if we went through it again, but I, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. It's, like, so hard well, to decide. I can speak to that having just my daughter and myself. Yeah. That I always was like, no. She needs a sibling, like I only children, and that same thing that the stigma that comes with that. Yeah. But we are so close. She's my best friend. Yeah. And the relationship we have is so awesome and special. And I'm like accepting, you know, I'm 41. So I'm like, okay, I'm accepting like my one kid, but we have such an awesome thing going. So it helps me, even though I always wanted more. I'm really appreciating what we do have. And it is unique, you know? And I love that you said that because I think it's true. I never thought of it like that. It's very, it's very true. The only children that I know are also females. So it's, um, their relationship with their mothers especially is so incredible. It's really similar to what I have with my sister. Mm -hmm. I, my sister's my person. I call her, you know, five times a day. She's who I turn to. I can't imagine my life without her. But then I do know that having my sister did create less of a bond. I mean, I love my mom and we're so bonded, but if my sister wasn't there, I think that I would have that with my mom. Hmm. And that's exactly the kind of relationship that my my girlfriends who don't have siblings have with their mom. It's just, I don't know, I think that's it's so awesome. so interesting, yeah. And they, I, you also hear a lot too, like I remember hearing this when I had Elliot, my first son, people would be like, oh, you, you need to have a second so they have someone, mm-hmm. you know? And... I always thought, okay, like that makes sense. Sure. That's not why we had a second. We had a second because we wanted a second. But now my son, when he goes to sleep, he's seven years old and he shares with me each night his worries about his brother. And I hope he talks because of this. And I hope when he's older, I mean, he's sitting there figuring out how he's going to live with. And I'm like, dude, he's stressing him out, you know? And like you hear like, oh, okay, well, you do it for them. And I'm like, I almost feel like, like what you're saying, like you really don't need to do it for them because you never know no. what it's going to do to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I have, I mean, zero, zero, zero regrets. I'm obsessed with my youngest, but 
I do see the effect it has on Elliot and really well you have a unique situation as well I do have a unique situation because my little ones um got different needs but you never know what you're gonna get when you have another kid right (laughs) no do you know what I mean like there's no guarantees in this life and it's like everyone should do what feels right for them Mm -hmm. no it's true it, that's the thing, too, that you just don't even know. You can't guarantee that they're going to be best friends. As a no. I have so many people in my life who are who they never get along, have never gotten along with their sibling, and it only causes them, you know, disappointment and heartache. And and it's it's tough. I And I also think, like, another thing with the only children is that everyone's like, what are they, what are, um, they need somebody to, like, help them take care of you as you get older. You know, it's like having that person, I'm like, well, that's kind of crazy. First of all, how often do you have like every sibling coming in equally and like taking care? It's always it's always the oldest. Like I know that my sister is going to be that person. So it's like doesn't matter. And and I find that my friends who don't have siblings have married or have have partners who are incredible. Like it's you know my my partner on the podcast Jack, she's an only child. She's engaged to this wonderful man Jared. I'm like he's going to be more helpful as her parents age than any like Mm. deadbeat sibling that you can imagine. So she's also chosen somebody who is so loving and is going to be that and the the partner that she needs throughout her life. So there just are no guarantees. And you're right. It's like whatever feels right is really what's right or whatever happens is kind of meant to be. And how is that with the girls? Like you said they've been really understanding and has it changed any dynamics with your show or the tour? What is it like for you now doing that as a mom? Um, You know, to be honest, in the beginning, I, and I've talked pretty openly about this, like I was, I was such a bitch. You know, (laughs) I was such a bitch because I was, well, first of all, before we left for tour, like we're we're business owners. The three of us own, you know, mm-hmm. this this is we're all equal partners and a lot of work goes into it, not just podcasting. It's, you know, the writing of the book and the planning of the tour and the brand partnerships and all that. Like we are doing all this leading up to the tour and I have the baby at home and I'm being spread too thin and mm-hmm. I'm not speaking up for myself and I'm trying to do that thing where I'm like no one's going to feel the effects of this baby. I'm not going to, you know, punish my partners by being a slacker for having this baby. So I'm going to like not skip skip a beat. And both of them were, they laughed later because they're like, we were just waiting for the moment for you to realize that you're a mother now. You know, it's like, we didn't need you to be superhero. You needed to speak up for yourself. I didn't advocate for myself whatsoever leading up. We get on the tour and I am just a raging bitch. And everything that's asked of me, like I have, I have never been this person like, Rachel, I'm sure you've seen it on a set where there's somebody who's always difficult and (laughs) that person is asked to put their shoes on and it's as if you've asked for a body part. The person, it's like you, they Uh are so inconvenienced and yet they're in this position of so much privilege and you're like, what? It's, it's, I can't wrap my mind around how you can be such an asshole right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) And then I became that person. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love your honesty. <laughs> and I was like, everything that was asked me, it was like, this, hey, the sponsor needs you to do this thing. You know, can you come take this picture? Can you come? And I just, I was really not my best self. And I hadn't, you know, I had to like have a really tough 
like self-reflection. I had to have my partner. My partners are, they're like sisters to me. And there's an unconditional love and acceptance that we just have over the years of doing this together. And I'm just so grateful because anybody else would have been like, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. But they just sort of gave me grace. And I I tried to move on. And when I was having moments, it's like communication is so important. And it's like, we, it's like beating a dead horse. But any partnership, whether it's a relationship or you know, our business partnership, like I just needed to speak up. I just needed to say, my life has completely shifted. My whole priority, like everything is out the window and I'm struggling a lot and I just need a moment. And if I had just done that, it would have been amazing. But I've had so many years of therapy and I still wasn't able to come to that realization until shit hit the fan. Mm. And was it them that brought it to your attention? No, what's crazy is they were just going to let me do it. They were just going to let me, because it's been seven years of this business together. And I've always been the person that we don't have the asshole. The three of us just work hard. You know, there's nobody on set who's bitching because we wouldn't be still in this together if that was the case. So I think because we've had so many years of knowing who I really am and that I didn't just change overnight, there was obviously something that has changed in my life. They just let me go. And then I finally had this moment where I had so much awareness, it hurt. And I was like... Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I am. And it was that I said that exact same thing. I was like, oh my God, I'm that person that I hate at work. I am that person that I want to shake and be like, you're an asshole. Nobody's forcing you to do this. You're getting paid to do this. Like a job that 8 million other women want, you're doing. So shut the fuck up and do your job with some (laughs) gratitude. Like I had to say that to myself. It was not them, which I would have probably, if the shoes were on the other foot, I probably would have done it. Said something. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) totally that's so I mean it's just such a funny not funny but like the comparison you know just experiencing people like that but everyone has their moments like yeah when I'm like really tired or PMSing and I'm like oh no I don't want to like do another thing I don't want to post on Instagram like I get so annoyed you know I'm like stop telling me what to do (laughs) I remember being on the set of Glee and it was like my first season and everybody else is like third and they would come up to us. And you know how when they come up and they want to film the behind the scenes? Yes. And they're like, we want to do some BTS. And, you know, they come over and they grab you between like setups. And mm-hmm. you know, they're like, you have 10 minutes. You come and talk to us. And I would always get like so excited. I'm like, yeah, this is so cool. Like, great. I'd love to. Like more, whatever. And I would look around and like all the people that had been there from the beginning were like dodging this person and like rolling their <laughs> eyes. And they were like so pissed and they wanted to be left alone. And I remember being like, what is their problem? You know, <laughs> I can't imagine why you wouldn't want to do this. And then I get to my third season and I'm like, okay, I get it. Like everybody right. has their limits. Granted, I don't think you should ever be an asshole, ever. but I don't think ever, 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 ever. <laughs> ever. But there's no excuse. There's just absolutely no excuse for the amount of money that you get paid to literally stand no. on the mark and memorize lines is shocking. No, I know. There are so many people on that set that are doing their job and working hard. And like, I am always considerate of every single person involved down to, you know, who the building the sets, like all of it. Right. So, and, and of course you can get grumpy or whatever. And it's like, Oh, another interview or whatever, but you do it. It's your job and you do your job well. And like, you have to always have gratitude. And that's something that I've always carried with me throughout everything. But it's like, you have no excuse to be an asshole. Like you're so privileged to be doing what you're doing. And I never lose sight of that, but it's so frustrating to work with people where you see that happen. And you're just like, you know, 
It's hard to understand. It's hard to comprehend. I think it too, like when you brought up entitlement, like you were saying that, you know, you had this fear of like, I don't want to be some entitled person that can have a surrogate or... Mm -hmm. I think the same theme comes up with the way you were treating your um, your girls. And what I think the touchstone to not being entitled is, is gratitude, right? Mm-hmm. So we're allowed to have these gifts in life, whatever they are, whether it's career, whether it's family, whether it's love, like, and I think so many people nowadays, because so many people are under attack for so many different things that there's almost this like apologeticness that comes with any sort of success, whether it's someone else carrying your baby to having a show. Mm -hmm. And I think that we really all need to give ourselves space to celebrate what is going good and what is a gift and an honor and a privilege versus feeling entitled. I think the only way we can be entitled is if we act like assholes and we're not grateful, right? Yeah, That just blew my mind. You're right. (laughs) She's a mind blower. (laughs) You're a mind blower. (laughs) No, it's so true because I do accept anything, you know, and there's like, if you look at up and down the spectrum of of privilege and and like just entitlement and, and what whatever it is it's like you can always find somebody doing better and you can always find somebody doing worse and you can always make yourself feel like shit for not being the person doing worse and you can always feel like shit for not being the person that's doing better but the thing that really actually solves all of those problems is having the gratitude for what you do have mm-hmm. and when i look at people who have so much I really don't have any issues with them having so much. Like, you know, people give like the Kardashians such a hard time and they talk so much shit about them. And I'm like, well, I do know for a fact that that Kim Kardashian is one of the most gracious people in person. I've heard that as well. And professionally, and she's, you know, so to me, it's like, I she can have the world. She can have, you know, she seems to be a very gracious human being. I don't know about the rest of them, but I, I do know, you know, Kelty, my other, uh, the other host of our podcast, she was in entertainment journalism for a million years and she interviewed every single celebrity you could possibly imagine from Julia Roberts to Kim Kardashian, whatever. And she was like, no, really, like she will say who's an asshole. Like she's actually yeah. written it in the book. Um, so she's oh, not afraid. Oh, good. good. I know. Good. Like, I, know. <laughs> I can't wait to read it. <laughs> we will report back. Well, she did. She had an interesting inter- experience with Julia Roberts, but. Ooh. Um, I could kind of smell to that. hear it. <laughs> but she's like, Kim Kardashian, for the 10 years that I've been interviewing her, is so incredibly generous and lovely and warm and professional. And you can see who's an asshole in those situations, especially, because they really don't give a shit who they're pissing off. So, yeah. I mean, every time I hear... And so now when I hear about her successes, I'm like, that's cool. Great. I'm glad it's not an asshole. But you know what we have to give her credit for is the transparency and how open and honest... You know, yep. and I think it, she's always very forthcoming. Obviously, you know, they have their reality show and so they show every aspect of their life. Right. And I don't know what's, you know, exaggerated or whatever, but like as a person, she'll just be super honest. And whether you agree with it or not, she's coming with this transparency that you have to respect because you're like, yeah. so many people are filtered and so many people in her position are completely filtered and, and don't share a lot of things. So you have to respect that. That's how I yeah. feel. 
I do too. I really do. I Olivia, your face. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I don't have any negative feelings to the Kardashians, especially, you know, Kim is dear friends with one of our closest friends, Zoe Winkler. And I know that she's given to her organization. I know that Zoe is an incredible human being. And there's no way she would have maintained this lifelong friendship with someone that didn't have some sort of gold underneath. Mm -hmm. And I trust that. And I think that it's true. It's like when we can celebrate other people's successes and not make them feel bad about it, because I do see that so often now that people, especially doing this podcast, because we talk to a lot of successful people and there is this almost apologetic, like they're apologetic for where they're at in life. And I think that we have to stop that. Yeah. Well, men certainly aren't doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Men are Uh -uh. not doing it. No. No. Not at all. No, they're not. Well, and I think also, like, I heard so many interesting statistics, like, throughout the years of doing the podcast, you know, just from women who have come on, and statistics of, like, when women hit a certain point in their um, salary, their likelihood of of, um, donating compared to a man goes up like exponentially hmm. and just you know i think that women look when at we're bezos in, ex-wife oh my god right <laughs> right like this is she's this like, like i was be billions and billions of dollars and he's like here i am on my yacht with my new girlfriend <laughs> i'm in space i'm in space <laughs> i just yeah no it's it's like if and i i do believe in the power of women like i know sometimes we can be horrible to one another i think the root of being horrible to one another is that we've been pitted against one another for so many centuries and we've been you know kind of treated like oh there's one seat at the table you know ha- have at it ladies mm-hmm. and if you can't fight about it we're going to make fun of you and we're going to you know it's like make a mockery of you and it's just so fucked up but i believe that more women in more positions of power and more just with more platforms we're going to do more good than evil. Like I just, I firmly believe that there are so few women out there who are going to reach a certain point of success and not reach her hand down to help a woman that's behind her to come up or Mm -hmm. kick a woman down. It's like, it's so, it's so obvious in like a million different examples that we really are people who, if there's enough space and we create enough tables on our own, that we really just don't need men ever. (laughs) <laughs> right. No, no, we've been talking about this and like, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Olivia. I was, gonna I was just going to say, it's funny because even when, when we looked at your guys's podcast, listen to your podcast, you have your book coming out, all of that. Kind it's of already stuff. out, isn't it? Programmed, right? My mm-hmm. first programmed thing is we're going to take them down, <laughs> right? <laughs> Literally. Because I'm like, yeah. we're going to take them down. <laughs> and then the second thought was, okay, how that, that feels negative. That feels toxic. That feels, um, it doesn't feel right in my body. So then the second thought is, we're going to join them. Yeah. We're going to join them. Like there's enough space. There's mm-hmm. enough people that want to hear or see or do like, it really does take that pause though to retrain your thinking and be like, no, we're for each other. We're not against each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a natural, believe me, I I, I think like just at my core, just being in, in like the entertainment industry too, you're just extra monstrous. Like when, when you 
have any kind of competition because it's like just we're programmed <laughs> to be psychopaths. But I, I, what's crazy is like when we started the podcast thing, there were not a lot of other female podcasts out there. Like it was 2015, we were kind of forging our own way. It was really exciting. And then all these female podcasts started to pop up and you know, we had the exact same feeling where we're like, no, no, you can't. We're doing really well. Like you can't possibly create any more competition. But in all these like, you know, panels that I've done and and just summits and whatever, it's like, well, one podcast listener listens to on average four to five different podcasts a week. So if you guys have a girl that you've brought on, you know, you've she's coming on her first podcast that she's ever going to listen to. She's such fans of yours and she's going to listen and she's going to be like, oh my gosh, I love this podcast. She's also most likely going to say, what else is out there? And mm-hmm. so by you guys starting your podcast, she might have also found ours and vice versa. So it's having to like know that those things are, that's how men have been doing this for so long. Mm-hmm. They're like helping their buddies out and the more the merrier. And it's like, we have to kind of think of this as all of our empires that's and we right. all have like our own little job within the empire, but it's all for the greater good. And it's only going to help us. Right. That's and, beautiful. And it does take <laughs> that training though, to like really, because yeah. it's it's the instinct that comes in from so many years of being programmed. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. To pit, you're pitted against the other woman, right? Constantly. Constantly. Yeah. Constantly. Like I had to stop following people on social media that would make me do that. Like my knee jerk was to be like, <gasps> she's yeah. prettier, she's right. whatever, she's this, she's working. Like I had to, I I like work on that part of myself, but really admittedly, I just don't want to feel icky. So I just don't stop. look anymore. But I wish I could just kind of evolve even more so to the point where I could be like, she's doing really great. That means right. I could be doing really great. I'm not quite there yet, but I really <laughs> hope to be there. Is yeah. that why you don't follow me? It is. <laughs> Busted. 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 I knew it. Yeah. I, I so appreciate that honesty because it's so true. And I think it is so hard to the doom scrolling and all of it Ugh. and just being like, they're so much happier, whatever. And like, I suffer from that a lot of the time because depression is kind of like a new thing in my life that I've been dealing with. And it's like, it's not helpful. <laughs> no. But to get to that place where it doesn't, bother you. I mean, it takes a lot of work and, you know, and I appreciate yeah. you saying like, you know, you're not there yet because <laughs> it's true. It's not easy. And it's not easy being a woman in this world. It's not no. easy being a mom. And I think just having all the transparency is so beautiful and what you guys do with your podcast and that book. Like, I'm so excited to finally read it because it's it's all of the things that you you do say or even if you say them to yourself, just putting it out there. And it is like this big group. We're this huge group of women. So having other podcasts or whatever it is, it's like there's just more space and opportunity to share. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And we're yeah. really craving not feeling that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. But it takes that moment of recognizing, oh, I feel icky. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's silencing the stories for a while while you right. heal what feels yeah. icky and then revisiting it when you've gotten some space from it. And I've done that with people. I've had to silence them just because of whatever they bring up. And then it's like, you take the time, but we always have to remember to, to actually do something in that time. Yeah. Cause yeah. it doesn't go away. You click for back sure and let them back in and you feel the same exact way. Unless you really get to the root of like, what is it being triggered inside of me? Yeah. 
I that's a lot of the work that I do in therapy is like the shadow self. Have you mm-hmm. heard of that concept? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-mm. So I mean, essentially, like you can sum it up to any bad feeling you have about somebody else is really just a reflection of something that you really are ashamed of in yourself. So the work that I'm doing is like this is so deep and weird and woo woo, but it works for me. But you know, it's we all have stuff that we don't feel proud of, and all these feelings about ourselves, and all these things about ourselves, and and what's really amazing is that there's this like kind of a fix that I have felt is that like I've just been okay with accepting that like humans are not perfect. Mm -hmm. We're not supposed to be perfect. And so the like, I know it's so cliche and the pursuit to perfection is like, everybody's so sick of hearing it. Like, but I really doing all this work on the, I don't know if this is making sense on all the stuff that I felt ashamed of. And like, I hated that I was jealous. I hated that as Mm -hmm. an actress, as a female, I finished a show and every single actress that got a job on another show after that made me feel like shit about myself. Mm -hmm. I would cry. I would suddenly have bad feelings about whoever that actress was. She could be a good friend. I was in such a dark, dark, dark place. But I think what I had to do was like work on that part of myself that just felt fucking sad. Like, yes. I just had to accept the fact that I'm human mm-hmm. and it's okay to feel sad and mm-hmm. feel grief and feel loss over something as, you know, inconsequential to most people, but it meant something to me. And so anytime I sort of see somebody that's triggering a bad feeling for me, it's usually something that I have not really accepted in myself, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Of course, it always is. And I yeah. always say our triggers are our gifts. Like... Mm-hmm. Whenever we're triggered, it's showing us exactly what wants to be healed, right? Because it's you could put a hundred people in the room and only two will get triggered by the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. So it's always independent Mm -hmm. of what we have that's unhealed or unresolved. And so when we are triggered, that's our gift. Mm -hmm. It's to be like, wait, what is that? And it's most of the time inner child work. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) So much of that. So much of that. And everything (laughs) like that is triggering is our lesson. And they're sometimes Mm. people and they're our lesson. (laughs) A lot of people. Oh yeah. Always. Some are lifelong lessons. Lifelong lessons. (laughs) I mean, Becca, you're so awesome and, and just amazing. And thank you for being so open and sharing and all the, thank you. Yeah. All the things you're doing. And I know you have your baby to get back to. Um, but Rachel like, has therapy to get to. I do have therapy yeah, to get to. Good. That's true. I do have <laughs> Great. therapy. Good morning. for you. Love it. Couldn't live without nope. it. No. <laughs> um, but we always end our conversations with a game, which is really, oh. <laughs> really feels, feels, feels right. what we've <laughs> been talking about. It just feels right. Uh, Mary Berry, One Night Stand. <laughs> Are you ready and willing? I'm willing, yes. And able? I, I am. A- able? I don't know if I'm able, but let's try. I always like to call Rob out when he comes up with the people. So Rob solely came up with our options today. Okay, I love it. Um, Chris Martin, Stanley Tucci, Tay Diggs. Okay. Random Rob. I know, random Rob this morning. Okay, all right. I I mean, this. I went with my gut. You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah, you got to go gut. She's like, I want to fuck Tay Diggs. Obviously, Tay Diggs is my one night. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. Um, I would marry Stanley Tucci. Who wouldn't? Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah. Huh. I would marry Chris Martin. But okay, no shade. He's just not really like he's never been my thing. 
Yeah, that's you totally know what I mean? fair. He gives away yes. those pins, you know? Have you heard this story? <laughs> what? No. He no. carries around with him, like, these pins, like, you know, the button pin that you can put on a jacket or whatever. Like you collect at Disneyland. Yes. He carries them around. <laughs> I forget what's on them, but he, if he has, like, a nice interaction with someone, he just, like, gives them a pin. Um... So there's like... It's like very 1950s of him. Like, I pinned you. (laughs) So there's like all these people around the world who have been given a pin by Chris Martin. And I'm like, that's sort of sweet. um, But it's like, just not... That's... That doesn't give me big dick energy. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, I like that. I don't want to rip that guy's pants off. Yeah. You want to... You want (laughs) to give him like a... Yeah, you want to like bake him a muffin. I don't know. (laughs) That's so, I've never heard that. I did not know that. That is really interesting to me and a little odd. Fun fact. Yeah. Love that fun fact. If you marry Stanley Tucci, you can go eat around the world. Exactly. I mean, that's all I want. Like, take me to Italy, give me some homemade pasta. Like, done deal. Same. I love him. We're wedded. Well, thank you guys for letting (laughs) me have verbal diarrhea on your podcast. Um, We love verbal diarrhea. We appreciate it. I love your podcast. We love your butt. You're amazing. Um, All right. Well, thank you guys. (laughs) Thank you, and congratulations on your little one and all of your success, and I can't wait to read Lady Secrets. Thank you. Thanks, Becca. Hi, Rob. Hey. (laughs) Becca cut her hair in a bob, and it looks really cute. Oh, since we spoke to her? Yeah. Do you guys hang out? No, but I'm on... We follow each other on Instagram. You've become an Instagram pro. I am an Instagram <laughs> people watch people. You are. She's in beast mode. You took over our page. I used to be really um, <laughs> resistant to it, and now I'm enjoying it. it. You're good at it. Thanks. Exercise your talents. Yeah. So this morning, I had to tape an audition, and <laughs> <laughs> beast mode Olivia was in the director's chair, but Rob... <laughs> Rob read with me. It was really funny. But every time we started, because we have to record, Rob would hit the button and go, (laughs) action. (laughs) We're rolling. Just so you know that it's running. But like it wasn't necessary. Uh, It was completely necessary. (laughs) Because when I didn't say action, she just sat there. That never happened. You never didn't say action. How would you know? Oh my gosh, it was so good. We had to edit everything because in the front of every day. Well, yeah, you guys and then also he goes, Olivia, didn't... you press the button then so that I can stop saying action. We're like, you don't have to <laughs> no, say just action. Stop saying action. Well, the other thing is you guys didn't know you could edit a video very easily. Well, we did. And trim but... it off. No, no, you didn't. Yeah, but oh, it would be really fun if people could have watched that because Rachel had to get sexy and steamy. And we made <laughs> Rob hold the paper with his face. I was like, I can't do the scene if I'm looking at your face. Yeah, it was a it was a hand job. Scene. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Rob had to literally put the pages in front. I was like, do not look at me. Yeah. Not until that camera goes off to you bring those pages down. <laughs> oh but god. I did the same thing when I was reading it with you. I wouldn't look at you when you say those lines. Yeah. Cause then I'd be like, wait. <laughs> Are you going to jerk me? Wait, are you going to whip out my wiener? Yeah, like, am I getting a hand job here? Oh, man. It was fun. It was funny, I have to say. I'm a good director, though, Narnia. Yes, you're very... Olivia's good at coaching anything in life. I can't wait to see how she does with Elliot's baseball team. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) 
And Olivia signed Elliot up for baseball. He's so mad. Wait, are you coaching the team? <laughs> I will be shortly, Ross. <sighs> what if she was? Um, no. I signed him up and was really excited for him to start baseball. And it turns out I signed him up in Sacramento. <laughs> we don't live in Sacramento. It's going to be a far commute. It's on Saturdays. No. Oh, he was six probably hours. so excited. He was like, no, I don't want to do baseball. Oh. <laughs> so I asked him because a friend of mine asked me if I wanted to do like a little part in a movie and have Elliot do a part and be a kid and say some lines, you know? And I was like, well, I don't know. Let me ask him. Let's see what he says. So I said, Elliot, would you want to do a small little part in a movie? And he's like, what do I have to say? And I was like, you just have to be like, oh, look, mommy. And he's like, yeah, I can do that if you make me a deal. And I said, what's the deal? And he said that I'm the star of the next one. (laughs) (laughs) Elliot's responses to everything in life are amazing. I know. But I'm like, with that attitude, you just might be. It's funny because he hides all of that attitude. Yeah, he does. He's he's very shy and quiet. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know him like that. Yeah, it's like Rob. It's like Rob. Mm -hmm. He's very similar to you. Yeah, Rob. People would think, oh, he's just like a quiet, quiet, nice nice introvert, doesn't talk much. Mm -hmm. But then you get those sideways comments that are coming at you (laughs) when you're in the inner circle. Oh, yeah. Right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Do you do this to Natalie? Do what to Natalie? Do you rob her? Nope. You don't? Pro- uh, yeah, I probably do. <laughs> do you ruffle her feathers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course he does. That's what she he does. She seems a little unruffleable. Unruffleable. You know? Yeah. I mean, she's used to it at this point. She, yeah. Rob's pretty unruffleable. Does she serve you? No, not really. <laughs> I don't think Terry. she's got the patience for it. Yeah. She's like, I can't. Yeah. She's like, this, <laughs> I can't this even be bothered by no. fucking with you. <laughs> uh, Rob took a picture of me today eating a very large piece of toast full of ricotta. And jelly. And jelly. That was good. It was all over my face. And he sent it to Olivia and I, or so he thought. <laughs> accidentally went to my mom and Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> he sent a picture of me. Taking a huge bite out of a very thick brioche ricotta toast. I'm sure Natalie's like, I'm I'm really happy that that's what you're doing with your time. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, especially because she asked me if I could watch Benson. Oh. <laughs> <gasps> <laughs> and I was like, I got to record. Oh, I have to record Rachel taking a big yeah, bite of Eating <laughs> ricotta toast. Oh, my God. That's, it was delicious. It was good. It was, it was good. Not going to lie. No. From Squirrel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Silver Lake. It's really good, Squirrel. It is really good. Um, Olivia, oh, I was going to talk about the brain thing. You can talk about the brain thing. Olivia has a Did brain Did you forget? <laughs> <laughs> no, explain what, what we're going to do. So Jeff got a brain scan, right? His company works with a company that works with the company. Anyways, he went to this place, Amen Clinic. Amen. Amen. And they scan your brain and they do these tests and then you take tests. And the cool thing too is they had me take tests for Jeff, like answer a bunch of questions from Mm -hmm. my perspective. So they take all of that into consideration when evaluating your brain health. And they were so 
dead on with issues he struggles with and like all of this kind of stuff, but they were scanning his brain and they could see like bumps in certain areas. And then they can decipher like what those bumps would be from. Like, is this head injury, trauma, toxins? Like they were saying it would present differently if it was like bumps from toxins and molds compared to um, toxins from alcohol, THC. That was shocking. You haven't done yours yet? No. I'm going to do it. I'm making Rachel do it too. And you. What Um, what were we talking about? (laughs) As I was listening, I was like, Rachel needs to do this brain scan because they were talking about people that all of a sudden (laughs) in the middle of a conversation will drift off into a daydream. (laughs) And I was like, Rachel (laughs) needs to do a brain scan. She has the brain of a hockey player. Yeah. But then they have like... Like I have supplements ma- I and have stuff. major head trauma. But that's what I'm saying. I really think you should get a brain <laughs> scan because you do. I know. And there might be supplements like Jeff's going to do hyperbaric oxygen treatment and supplements and like all this stuff. He needs to go get a sleep test because they're like, by the looks of this, you have sleep apnea. Crazy. I've been telling you. Like a motherfucker. <sighs> He's got sleep apnea, it sounds like. I thought people could just snore. I didn't think that that yeah, was why always does that sleep mean apnea. sleep apnea. When it's like super aggressive. How do you like know? That. Because my dad has sleep apnea. Oh, does he got, wear like a CPAP? One of the, yeah, he's got a CPAP machine. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He still snores. That machine just kind of drowns it out. That's fine. He's just losing I could oxygen not... to his brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not yeah good. when you have that, <laughs> you're like struggling to breathe. Right. Dying while and you they, sleep. And yeah, and they could see like all the areas that are discolored and stuff and have dips and crevices due to lack of blood flow, mm-hmm. lack of oxygen, where he would need support and what would be supportive. Right. Are you about to say that you can never date someone that had a CPAP machine? No, I was going to say I couldn't sleep in the same bed as someone if they snored loudly. No, That's what I was going to say. Awful. Same thing. That is not the same thing. If the CPAP drowns like it out. even more shallow. I would like the CPAP <laughs> over the um, I have said that I would snoring. wouldn't mind not sharing a bed well, mm-hmm. even without the snoring. So no, it's not more shallow. Thank you very much, Rob. <laughs> I told you statistically the marriages of people that sleep in separate beds live longer. Live longer or live their marriage longer. lasts longer? They live longer because you're getting better quality sleep. Huh. Yeah. I believe it. So, but when talk- I sleep with my kid, I can sleep. You're not sleeping. You're getting kicked in the head all the time. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's Calvin's a terrible sleeper. Ki- sleeping with kids is the worst sleep ever. If she stays, if she doesn't kick me or wind up on me, then I sleep great. On the off chance. <laughs> but wait a minute. What are your thoughts on the THC thing? Because that surprised me. He said that when people take um, CBD, if it's not smoked, it doesn't present bad in the brain. But that THC is actually highly toxic. and Only if you smoke it or if you just no, ingest it any in any way? Any form of ingestible THC. Oh, well, you're fucked. I'm, well, I already knew I was fucked. But like, that I'm it's really, really toxic. Fucked. Well, yeah, that explains so much. And then I said, because he said something about Adderall, and I said, well, isn't Adderall toxic? Right. And he said, if it's at a proper dose, that it's not. 
So I'm like, so THC is worse than Adderall? How does that, that goes make against sense? everything I've ever it, heard. People, it depends on if you need Adderall right, exactly. to balance your chemicals. If there's an actual chemical right. environment so if you're that it's needed using... for. Oh, yeah. He was like, let me be clear on you right. know, whatever. But it's hard to believe. I don't want to misquote anyone. On right. That. Yeah. But what I heard was that THC, alcohol, super toxic to the brain, that like you can take these NHL players, have a damaged brain take them off of booze, THC, give them supplements and treat them with like oxygen therapy and all this stuff and that they actually present different on the scans. That's so crazy. Yeah. I find it fascinating. And now I want to do all the things to see. He also said we need to be eating 12 vegetables a day. You don't eat 12 vegetables a day? 12 servings of vegetables a day? Yeah, you don't? You don't either. (laughs) I I definitely don't. How many vegetables do you eat a day? I don't. I got to give my kid more vegetables. Zero? You don't eat vegetables? I mean, there's a there's days where I don't eat any, sure. Yeah. Right? We ne- Yeah. We need to be eating at least five to six servings of vegetables a day. I don't think I eat five to six servings of anything in a day. Yeah, you do. Maru. Maru. Matcha. Two. But you do double, so four. And that we should only have 100 milligrams of caffeine, which is only one cup of coffee. Well, I only I only have one cup in the morning usually. I'm I'm a little scared to do it because mm-hmm. I know <laughs> there's going to be so much wrong with my brain. It's going to be a black It's also pit. how I feel like because I've gotten so ragey, like PMS ragey, and I'm like, I have to check my hormones. Like something's wrong. Yeah. But my friend, I was talking to my friend and... She's like, yeah, no, it's gotten so bad. So I got my hormones checked. She's like, well, they're perfectly fine. So now I have no explanation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, well, shit, do I want to actually have them checked? I don't, I don't think your brain's going to be fine. No, my brain's not going to be <laughs> no, fine. No, it's not. Because he was describing things and I was like, that's Rachel's brain, you know? But oh I, the good news in that to me is like, if they find things, that means that there's solutions. She's right. reading her phone. No, She's I'm not. doing the, the little not, squirrel There's nothing brain. on my phone. I was looking. My daughter's face caught my eye. And it was like, that's so cute. I was not. I'm listening, though. We're going to <laughs> we're gonna have to get one of those boxes for phones for Rachel for to put Rachel. hers in when we You record. guys, I'm not on my phone. Yeah, I I'm going to be, look gonna be like Dave Chappelle. When you talk to <laughs> yeah. me, you have to lock up your phone. <laughs> in a little pouch. <laughs> I watched a little bit of SNL this weekend. How was it? Who it was, was hosting? Great. It was Amy Schumer. And oh, there was like a funny yeah. little part about like um, a support group for people that have really big dicks. <laughs> that's definitely a nod. I, that's a result of this show. I, I would guess. <sighs> you're welcome, SNL. <laughs> well, Rachel should be saying you're welcome. Okay, okay, moving on. <laughs> Any hoosies? Any Jose's? Yeah, what did you do this weekend, Rachel? What did I do this weekend? Jump, jump. Everybody oh, gonna... Briar had a trampoline party at the epicenter of COVID. <laughs> it was terrifying. No, it was just so crowded. We literally saw a kid. It wasn't part of our party. Yeah. Were you there when this happened, Rob? The kid that died? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. This kid, like, tripped and fell, but not on the padded part, like, on the hard surface. Face first, smashed his nose. It was all, like you heard it. Oh my god, it was brutal. Was that where you were? You were making them go find their parents. I saw I you doing make that. Him. I took him to go find his parents because he wouldn't yeah. talk to Jeff. Well, he wouldn't talk to Jeff, and I couldn't tell if he had a concussion and he didn't know like, his name, yeah. or if he wasn't saying it because he didn't feel safe. But he wouldn't tell Jeff his name, but he told me his name. 
So you do the math. His nose didn't look good. His nose looked super broken. Yeah. Can we talk about the other thing that happened? What? What, uh, that there wasn't enough pizza for the adults? No, no, no. Oh. When Hayden saved that little girl. Ruby? Ruby. Yeah. Ruby little got girl scared. got stuck. And Hayden, yes. And like a, like a superhero, he just scaled that wall. That's right. Well, you he know. did. He's got special powers. We know this. We know this. Daddy to the rescue. All of the moms were like drooling over him. Were they? When, when that happened. I missed that. <laughs> Rob notices. <laughs> yeah. Rob was I drooling. was too. I was rock hard. <laughs> oh, there he is. <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah. So anyway, trampoline that was a shit show. I don't ever want to go there yeah, again. Yeah, I don't think uh Calvin's allowed to trampoline parks anymore. <laughs> Here's my question to you, Rob. Did you feel like there should have been more pizza? <laughs> I didn't care. Oh, good. See, Rachel? Uh, it was, you guys, we were at a trampoline park. They had dominoes and we ordered dominoes for the kids and cupcakes, but there was also fruit and veggies. Yeah. I think ideally there would have been like a kids food section and a parents food section. Well, I wanted I, to do that. And then... I'm not saying you should have done it. I'm just saying it was awkward for parents to be like, <laughs> hold on. I'm going to go get pizza. Hold on. Kanan supplied nachos and corn dogs and all was saved. Once again... Superhero. Save the day. Saved the day. Okay. 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 So, did you eat a corn dog? I didn't eat anything at the party. I didn't eat <laughs> Did you? No. You didn't eat anything? No. Calvin had uh, cantaloupe, watermelon, carrots, and a cupcake. He didn't Good. have pizza? He doesn't, he doesn't eat, eat cheese. cheese. Oh, he doesn't eat cheese. Why? He doesn't like the texture of it. Is he okay? I really Vincent like... already eats cheese, so... Of course he does. That's so interesting. I've gotten him to eat, like, Parmesan. He likes fancy cheese only. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Calvin's outfits, too. Calvin is out, just... Too. He's fly. He's he comes so... up fresh, dude. He's so fucking cute, that yeah. kid. <laughs> and he's so sweet. So sweet. He's so sweet and, like, soft-spoken. What'd you say? He says it really fast and like <laughs> on Halloween someone did a magic trick for him so he was going around trying to do it and was whispering into people's ears how to do the trick for oh. like 2 minutes he was whispering this is how you do it Aww. and then it was a, just a stupid hat trick Did Aww. he do it? He did it. Yeah. <laughs> Were people amazed? Yeah. That is we so should go cute. to the magic castle. That's very fun. Don't you have to be a member? I've been, though. You have to be famous. Well, maybe we could ask one of our guests that we have on the show. To get us there. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure Rob knows somebody. Yeah. Rob likes famous people. <laughs> loves them. He loves going to coffee with them. He really does. Loves He's like, I have a coffee, coffee meeting. Hey, gonna go to Who do you have a coffee meeting with, Coffee Rob? meeting. I was getting coffee with somebody. You said I have a coffee meeting. Well, it's because I didn't want to have to reschedule because I already moved it earlier for you. Early? What do you mean? I moved my schedule around because you weren't available. You didn't tell me you were doing that, though. You said, Tuesday, I'm cleaning this out. So I said, all right, I'll see if I can move my coffee You didn't, You didn't say, I'll see if I can move anything. You did? Absolutely. What, anyways, all is well. We're here. <laughs> I like getting coffee. You like getting matcha. Matcha, yes. Only at Maru. Only at Maru. Snobby Robbie. How many a day? 
Two. Two. Three. Two. Said two. Two. Sometimes three. Three. Will, three will make me feel sick if I have that yeah. much. Really? Because it's, it's strong matcha. Mm. Have you tried that matcha I got you? No, because no, you no, don't no. want to make it for Have yourself. you noticed the guy's face that works at Maru that has like the most beautiful face? Is there a beautiful face? Do you know who I'm talking about? No. Well, maybe. But I was. <laughs> Are you rock hard? <laughs> yeah. Yesterday I was talking about it where. So I've been going there for like two and a half, three years since yeah. we moved over there. And they all know my name and they know what I order. Yeah. But I don't know any of their names. How Mom, rude. Why haven't you asked them? They only we're going to my... go with you and we're going to well, be like, hey, you I get these drinks all the time. Yeah. What's your name? It's Well, it's because I didn't ask the first. Because they just, to be nice, they like have to Well, they, they yeah, take I your name it. for your drink. But I I've never it, but been, I've never been like, name. what's your name? Why? Because there's always a long line of people. I don't like to do little chit chat. You need to just do it. I know I, you're not an extrovert in that way, but you need to literally be like, look, I've, I feel really bad. Like you obviously know my name. You know my order. I know you. I feel weird that I never asked for your name. Yeah. What is it? It makes people feel special when you remember their name. Well, I was going to say the last like two, three weeks, I've started learning their name. Oh, good. How but it was you this wait weird... for someone to say it? Well, I... I <laughs> The man, while I was there, walked up and said the same exact thing and was like, I don't know any of your guys' names. And oh, I come so here every day. So you just wrote on someone else's yeah. saddle. Well, and there were other ones that I heard here and there and I remember. Okay. Rob, I almost sent names? my friend Nina in there, who's a modeling agent that I'm really close with, because the guy's so beautiful. And I said it to his face. Is it the blonde hair guy? No, or he has dark hair? he has brown hair and he It's asked, Sean. I was like, you have an <laughs> extraordinarily beautiful face. And he was so kind. And I want him to show it to the world. because He's I thought probably it was... trying to. Well, this is a public service announcement for any big modeling agent. Look him he up looks right like now. he's just really pretty. Was he there when I was there? No. Okay. Mm -mm. Is he this guy? You just Rob has sent a me a purple personal... picture where I can't... Oh, I... <laughs> Photo. Yeah. Let Look me see. Face. Let me see. But, but I mean, it's like purple in that picture. You see, you can't really it's like tell. It's his band photo. But yeah. he has like a, it's just like a really unique unicornish type. Yeah, it's got very, features are very striking. Very striking. But when I told him, he didn't act like, oh, yeah, I know. I hear it all the time. He gets, he, I think he does get hit on all the time there. Of course he does. Of course he's he does. beautiful. I wasn't hitting on him. You're, I was like the old lady that's like, darling, you're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that face. Look at his face. I feel so... Okay, here's one last thing. I feel so old. Mm -hmm. I was at a dinner last week and like, you know how I, I have social anxiety. Like, I, I don't like you going... Do? Somewhere by myself. Like, I was really nervous. I didn't have a plus one to She's very, dinner. You're very hermit. I am very hermity. Yeah. And so I went to this dinner and the way it was set up were like tiny two tops, like separate all in the room. So I basically was too. set up on a blind date. No, it was just like me and another person. Like, I think Wait, that's would, better. Yeah, I was going to say, would you prefer that or a table of six people? Um, and you have to like butt into conversation. Yeah, that sounds much worse. Re is it me. worse? Well, I will say it turned out to be the best blind date I've ever been on. <laughs> uh, but my point is, so it was that actress, Kiernan Shipka. You know who she is? Uh, yeah. From Mad Men and 
A lot um, of things. Oh, that's who you were with. Yeah. Sabrina, Sabrina the Teenage her. Witch. Yeah. No, no. I have to tell you guys. At first I thought you meant fucking... Kieran Culkin. No, no. That's no. what I, I said that when she said uh, No, Kieran, okay. no. She was, could not have been lovelier. I fucking love her. She's 22. She's turning 23 soon. Uh, she was telling me about her birthday party. Like, she's the cutest, most amazing. And I'm like, these kids these days. Like, I felt so old. Mm-hmm. Then... Two other youngins came up to me. I felt like granny at the party, like 100%. Mm-hmm. Like you're you looked like it. I looked like granny at <laughs> no, the party. No, you didn't. You look Christina, gorgeous. Christina Ricci was the other youngin? Christina Ricci was also my fellow mother sitting next to me. We were both, we were having our mom talk. She was great too. I mean, it was a great group. And it, it taught me that it's okay. You just go and it's all going to be okay. It is. Huh? Some, sometimes. All the time, Rob. <laughs> we're going to get... Yeah. But then these two young, lovely girls came. Lovely. Everyone's lovely. Exactly. That's what happens when you get old. Everyone's like, everyone's lovely and darling. And so we wound up having like the most loveliest blind date ever. And it taught me that it's okay. And you know what? You just ask people questions. Yeah. You know, just keep it like, and it was totally, I had a lovely night. Lovely. Did you get her number? I did. We even exchanged numbers. It was, I would call it a first date success. So Is she you, coming on the podcast? Yeah, you, are you guys going on a second date? I will message her soon. <laughs> I love that. You know, I was somewhere recently where I felt uncomfortable for the first time in a long time. The pumpkin yeah, patch? Yeah, I never... It was the pumpkin patch. <laughs> <laughs> With Rob. That would be amazing. I was like, it was with Rob and his family. <laughs> no, it was my friend... Libby's birthday. Oh. And it was just like 13 women and I didn't know any of them. And oh wow. They all seem to know each other and do stuff with each other. I and put I, it like, in your head. Well, Libby wasn't there yet. Got is it. the thing. Like everyone came early to like help set up for the dinner. And then she wasn't there for like an hour. And I was sitting there and this woman sat down and started talking to me. And then at the end of the night, she's like, I sat down because I could feel you seemed shy or uncomfortable. Hmm. And I just wanted to make sure you felt okay. But it was weird for me to be that person because I don't normally feel that way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is kind of awkward and uncomfortable. By the end of the night, we were all like, you know, yeah, breastfeeding each other. <laughs> 69. We were all 69ing. It was fine. Yeah, but so you just, it's I always experienced be okay. That, and I was like really uncomfortable. Wow. Welcome to our life. <laughs> I thought of you guys. I was like, it was, oh, yeah. this doesn't feel good. But then, you know, it always ends up being okay. It Just always ends give up it a moment. Okay. Yeah. But you know, it was different for me in that time. Normally I insert myself and we'll just like yeah. start talking to people and stuff. But I didn't feel called to. And instead of like pushing myself to, I was like, it's okay to just sit here. Like I don't have to like effort. You know what? It's so true. Because at first at the beginning of the dinner party, like there were moments, like I was just standing there by myself. I didn't pull out my phone. Right. Me neither. You know, I just was like, you know. You were texting us a lot. I was not. (laughs) Shut up, Rob. I, I, so they had a special drink and I'm not a drinker. And I was like, all right, I'll have a drink. And I thought they said it's it's a paper plate. So I was like, oh, paper plate. Like the best drink ever. You know, it was actually really good. (laughs) She was saying that to herself. I was saying it to myself. I was talking to my friend. I was like, I had the best drink. Have you ever heard of a paper plate? And they were like. This girl in the corner is no, crazy. No. <laughs> talking right. to herself. Um, you mean a paper plane? <laughs> oh, that's like a thing. 
I get, yes, it's a drink. So the whole night, and I planned on taking it on the road and ordering the drink again. I was calling it a paper plate. What was it? So I think it's usually bourbon, but they did it with sake that night. But it's like lemon juice and like Aperol and like, I don't know. It was delicious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Say more. Yeah. <laughs> say it slower. Uh, but anyway, it it's not a paper plate. It's a paper plane. Yeah, but I think that's cool to just like not force yourself. I'm done efforting. Yeah. Well, we do a lot of efforting in what we do. Yeah. You know what I mean? That like when you go places. Yeah. I'm going to stand and order a paper plate and I'm going to stand there quietly by myself. Well, you just have a paper plate. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yes. That was a new realization. We both had the same thing yeah. in the same week. We did. But it's weird too, because then I, a week before I was with a bunch of people I didn't know on a trip. And you thrived. Thrived. Yeah. But then I'm like, so, but, but you the difference had a friend is, with I you. had a friend with me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I was like, it was like a little security blanket. So yeah. I felt safe to, you know, join. And not like I wouldn't at Libby's house. She's one of my dearest, but it just, yeah, I didn't know them. Yep. So interesting. And they're all very spiritual. Mm. You know? Yeah. Well, today was lovely. And darling. Lovely and darling. You know who's lovely and darling is Becca. And I do like her new bob. I think it's really cute. I have cute. to look at it. It's cute. You started a trend. Uh, I think Nicole started, Nicole started the trend. Nicole started a trend. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. It's been real. I'm going to go order a paper plate.